Amen. Y'all want to just keep singing? It's not going to be that good on my end of things up here, so we could just keep doing that. Hey, can I just say, teenagers in the room right now, thank y'all. For real, thank y'all. And here's why. You're sitting up front, and you don't care what people think about you, around you, and you're just worshiping Jesus and responding to truth. And you're leading worship today just as much as anybody on this stage. And so I want to challenge the rest of you guys. Follow teenagers. Oof. Isn't it weird, though, that when we get older, we get super cynical, super critical, and really, really worried what people think of us? Like, you're more you than you ever have been. In fact, you're probably more set in your ways than you ever have been in your entire life, and you actually care what other people think about you? Ask your spouse, you think I care what I think about you? (laughs) See, man, we could take a page out of that book. That one was free. All right. My name's Nathan Loxley. I'm one of your pastors here, and I am a fisherman. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. And some of you out there might be going, a fisherman, huh? You play a guitar and sing, man. With that haircut? Yeah, I'm a fisherman. And I'm not just some weekend warrior. And it's okay to be one of those. I'm not just your average Joe Schmo banging the banks up there. That's not me. No, like, fishing is a true problem and an idol in my life. I'm a fisherman. And I'm sure that there's a lot of you out there that are. And so I want to just kind of, for the you out there who might be skeptical thinking this guy's a fisherman, I want to try to prove you wrong, and I'm going to show you a few pictures. Now, there's an ulterior motive. The ulterior motive is this. I really want to brag so roll it. Ah, oh, look how pretty she is. What? Photoshop. Yeah, yeah. y'all can claim Photoshop all you want, but I've got witnesses. So that's a pretty one. That's almost six right there. I love how this angle makes them look massive. <laughs> I love it. There's another one. That one's almost six. Now, now we switch into the saltwater mode. Up. Oh, there's a pretty one. They call that a gator trout, a gator trout. It's not an alligator, but that's a gator trout. And then there's another one, and this one's a real trophy. That's like the third trout I've ever caught in my life. The first day I went inshore fishing ever in my entire life, I catch that one. There were people like calling their buddies to like say, come down here and look at this thing. I felt like I was in Tennessee all over again. It felt like Dover all day long. It's like, hey man, you got to come see this deer, man. It's the biggest deer we've seen out at LBL in years. All right. You remember those days? That's, that's that one. And, and here's my baby. Y'all ready for my baby? Oh, that is my first redfish I ever caught. The number one. Number one, the first one. And yes, every single one of those fish out of a kayak. That one was like, oh, I don't know. We didn't measure it exactly. We think about 38 inches and about low 30s in pounds. And the best part was that the person who took the picture was actually a, a charter boat captain. And I waved her down and she came over there. She's like saying, congrats, man, it's awesome. I'm like, thanks, chick, that's cool. And so we release it, she helps me. It, it, it took me like over an hour, you're welcome, Ben. Uh, it took me over an hour to catch that fish. It was awesome. It was, I'll never forget it in my life. And the best thing about this charter boat captain, as they were driving away, I could hear her talking. She goes, I've never caught one that big. Yes! Wait, that's my first one, yeah, baby. So it's good stuff. So I, 
just to like give you a comparison, I'm tr still trying to prove that I'm actually a real fisherman. Just to give you a comparison, I've also got some pictures of some other pastors here at our church <laughs> who have caught fish with me. And so I just wanted to share those with you. The first one here is Mr. Jason Pennington. Oh, <laughs> he'd forgot I had that one. Look at those cute little guys. That is, you're right, that's a rainbow trout. <laughs> Isn't it cute though? It was a little bit illegal, but that's okay. We won't get into that. Ignorance is, yeah. Okay, so, all right, and the next one is personally my favorite, and I think that all of us are going to agree. <laughs> I don't even have to say anything about that one, do I? I will say this, are any of you fishermen out there looking at his beard and going, man, that'd make a heck of a brush pile right there. <laughs> Here's the deal. I wouldn't be a fisherman unless I had a good teacher. 100%. That's the cool thing about fishing. It's passed on from one person to the next. It's grassroots, if you will. It comes from like a long line of fishermen. And so... Every good student has a teacher, a master, a rabbi, and that's what we're gonna talk about today. And mine is this next picture, this is my dad. And he has taught me everything, almost everything that he knows about fishing. There's some stuff he still holds back because I mean, he's a fisherman, right? And I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you this, I am too, so if you wanna know where and on what those were caught, good chance, you know, that's not gonna happen. Never gonna, never gonna let it go. I had a good teacher. Yeah, he's got a bigger kayak than me. It's got a 200, 225, yeah, 250, something like that on it, yeah. So it's, it's a little bit bigger than mine, but no way I could do what I do unless he had instilled it in me, unless he had taught it, unless I had followed after him in it. I mean, if, if he's not there to teach me, I don't even have a passion for it. Every student has a good teacher. Today we're going to be in Luke chapter 5, so if you don't have a Bible, raise your hand, and we will get you one. Um... If you don't own a Bible, then you can take it home uh, and keep it. We would love for you to have it. And what we're going to do is we're going to be in the first 11 verses of Luke chapter 5. And you're going to see why I talked about fishing this morning. It wasn't just a brag, although I think I should do that every time I'm up here. Luke 5, 1 through 11. I'm just going to read the whole thing. We're going to kind of try to understand and unpack what this means. Verse 1, <clears throat> on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, <clears throat> and then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I'll let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, 
he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. Now, some of you in this room have actually heard me talk about this before. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to be praying for the, all the people around you. And pray for me that I'd only let the Holy Spirit speak through me. That's, that's all we want today. So we're going to pray real quick. God, I pray today that the only words that stick in people's hearts are your words, because only you can change. God, I'm not even worthy to stand up here and talk about you, but you have redeemed men to preach the good news. And so, God, I pray that that's what people hear today is good news as we look to the, to the teacher. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's break this down. What's going on here? Obviously, Jesus. There's a guy named Simon. There's some guys named James and John. There's a crowd. There's some boats. All right? So it starts off that basically... Jesus is on the shoreline of the lake of Gennesaret, or whatever it's called. Now, what this is, Gennesaret, what this is is actually the Sea of Galilee, okay? That's the Sea of Galilee. So we hear that a lot in, <clears throat> and like, there's a lot that happens around the Sea of Galilee. So that's, that's where we are here. And there's this crowd who's following around Jesus because he's teaching this new kind of concept that people are excited about. Uh, he's, he's this, honestly, people see him as a teacher, Okay. And so they're following him around. Well, they want him to teach, but they're getting like all around him. And I don't know if Jesus is claustrophobic or not, but it kind of seems so. Every time someone gets close to him, he does one of two things. He either like says stuff like, hey, who touched me? Or he's like, y'all get back. Or he like disappears in the thin air or something. You know, this is the kind of stuff that Jesus does. And so he, these people are like crowding around him and all he's got is like ocean, a sea behind him. So he's getting pushed into it. So he he's basically says, okay, I, got, I know this guy, Simon. I'm going to get in his boat. Paddle me offshore just a little bit, and I'll teach from there. It's a pretty cool pulpit. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. Um, so he's, he's out there teaching the crowd, and he, who knows what he's teaching. It doesn't record it. So he gets through with what he's teaching, and what happens? This is kind of where all the story sets up. He looks at Simon, who is obviously in the boat with him, okay? And he says, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now, he's basically saying, go to your fishing spot. Take me out to where you fish, into the deep, and I want you to cast your nets out. Now, we kind of know from what Peter says next that this is kind of a funny moment. And Peter's in an awkward, or I keep calling him Peter. It is Peter, all right? But his, we'll call him Simon. I'll try my best. This is Simon. He's kind of in an awkward situation because Simon is a fisherman. Now, guys, fishermen, ladies too. Have you ever taken somebody out in your boat that had no clue what they were doing? And did they ever tell you what to do? And if they have done that, what was your response to them? <laughs> Punch them in the throat. Man, that's Christ-like. Uh, <laughs> I would do the same thing. Uh, has that, think about if that happened. If it hasn't, think about that. Someone who's never gone fishing in their lives and this is what you do every single day of your life. It's what 
all day, every day you're thinking of. And the next day, that's what you're going to be thinking of. And the next day, that's what you're going to be thinking of. And some guy walks into your boat and says, uh, you're doing it the wrong way. Let's go out there. What do you think Simon is thinking when Jesus says this to him? We know what he says. He says this, master, like, bro, listen here. This is in verse uh, five. Simon answered, master, man, we fished hard, toiled. We fished hard literally all night long. I haven't slept at all, Jesus. And we didn't catch one stinking fish. And we're in the exact same spot as we were last night. Jesus, since you're Jesus, I'm going to go ahead and do it. But in his mind, he's thinking, this guy has no flipping clue what he's talking about. But we see a couple things that are really interesting. We see Peter call him master, don't we? Which is a complete sign of respect. Complete sign of respect. So he's like, I'm going to do it because I respect you. And that word master, it also means rabbi okay, or teacher. So this is what he thinks of, of Jesus, that he's a teacher. He follows him. Okay, and this is going to tell us a lot about who Peter is or who Simon is and his identity here in a little bit. But he respects Jesus, so he does what he says to do. And what happens? He casts the nets out there thinking, ain't no way. I've thrown in there all night long and there was nothing. And it says, and when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They had to signal to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Now think about that. So the boats on the Sea of Galilee about this time, we think that they were roughly about 27 feet long. Okay? Think about this. They're 27 feet long, and they're seven and a half feet wide. They're about five feet tall, like tall, so they're deep boats. Now, I'm a nerd, so here we go. That's roughly a thousand cubic feet of space in that boat. A thousand cubic feet. That's a whole lot of boat. All right? That's a lot of space. And more than likely, what they were catching were sardines. Okay? And there's a certain sardine species that lives in the Sea of Galilee even today. And more than likely, that's what they were catching with these nets. And they'd cast out, these are huge, big nets. They, they'd drop down there, and then they kind of pull them up, fish in them. So more than likely, they're catching sardines. Now, one sardine is roughly four inches long. It's about two inches tall, and it's only an inch wide. So that's eight cubic inches. Told you we we're going to get a nerd out here for a sec, okay? Boat, a thousand cubic feet. Sardine, eight cubic inches. So to fill a boat, one of their boats with sardines would mean that they would have to catch at least, at minimum, 1,500 sardines to fill up one boat. And it says that they filled up two. Overfilling them to where they almost sank out in the middle of the sea. I don't know about you, but I've never had a day that good. Have you ever caught that many fish in a day? Wait, Drake, you ever caught that many fish in a day? No. Almost, though. We were close. <laughs> That's a true fisherman right there now. 3,000 minimum sardines 
letting their nets down once. They'd been fishing there all night long. And Peter, Simon, more than anyone, knew what had just happened. He saw how insane this was because he knew fishing. He had to live off of fishing. His family was supported by fishing. And so he had to know how to do it. And he knew that this was insane and impossible because it was the biggest catch he'd ever had and it was the biggest catch he was ever going to have in his entire life. And what does he do? What is his response instantly? Verse 8. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, now this is interesting, depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. His response is that he falls down on his face in this massive pile of slime and wriggling fish and begs for mercy. Depart from me. It's not like, Jesus, I don't like you anymore. Get away. No, it's like, I can't be around you because I am so sinful. And obviously, you are not just some teacher, some master. You are Lord. In an instant, his entire world is flipped upside down. And he realizes the immense amount of his own sin because he is in the presence of the Lord over the sea. The sea is his whole life. That's what he knows. It's where he lives almost. And here's a man who can command what lives in it. We see him later command the waves themselves and we see even later than that that he can walk on it. Jesus is the Lord of the sea. Surely this is God. Now, his world gets flipped upside down because all of a sudden, this guy who he thought was just his teacher is now God himself standing in front of him. <clears throat> when me and you are confronted with the, the real God, when our eyes are open to see who God is, the God of this Bible right here, that's our response too, is terror. It's fear. Because in an instant, we see that we are ultimately treasonous and ultimately sinful and we have sinned against a holy God and that he is a righteous and good judge and he will judge like in, in the way that he should. He's never not going to and trust me, you will be found guilty in your sin and he will pour out wrath upon your sin. Like in the presence of holiness, we shrink and fall down and that's what we see Peter doing here. Now, here, here's the thing. Why is Jesus even with Peter? See, Peter was a very devout Jew. Uh, and he had, he had a brother named Andrew, who was also one of the disciples. But Andrew was a disciple of this guy named John the Baptist. You heard of that guy? Okay, so they'd been following John the Baptist around a little bit. And so they'd been hearing John the Baptist proclaim that there was a Messiah coming, proclaim the Messiah was coming, proclaim the Messiah was coming, over and over and over and over. <clears throat> and so... Andrew was probably there at Jesus' baptism where he, they heard the voice of God saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, All right? And so Andrew runs to Peter. We see this in the book of Mark. Andrew runs to Peter to tell him that they had found the Messiah. So Simon immediately, Simon Peter, immediately starts following Jesus. He's like, this is the guy because 
Peter was all in to finding the Messiah. This guy was super devout Jew. This guy was searching for something. He was looking for something, something to deliver him. That's what Messiah means is a deliverer, right? He was looking for deliverance in some way. And so he'd been looking for this guy constantly. He based his entire life around this one thing, chasing after the Messiah, and he finally found him. And we, can, we know that he'd been following him for a little bit at this point, considering that Jesus knew him well enough to say, Simon, let me use your boat. Fisherman, we don't just let anybody use our boat, do we? No. So Jesus, if Jesus said, let me use your boat, what you going to do? I would say, Jesus, do you really need a boat? Yeah. All right, yeah. Anyway, yeah, I got to have somebody store, somewhere to store your rods, right? So anyway, we see this happen. We know that Peter... Simon Peter, gosh, I keep doing it. Simon Peter and Jesus have a relationship already. So P- Peter is already all the way in on following him as a teacher, as following him as a rabbi. And all of a sudden he realizes that he got way more than he bargained for. Not only is he a rabbi, he's God. He is God in flesh standing in front of him. And now instead of being hopeful, he's terrified. I want you to pay attention to the words of Jesus right here. They're some of the most amazing words in the whole Bible. Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. In an instant, Peter's world was flipped upside down, and he saw his sin But with one sentence, Jesus turned that world right side up. Jesus says, do not be afraid. See, Peter falls down and begs for mercy because he knows the scriptures. He knows him. He understands sin completely. He understands its consequences. He understands that God is holy. He understands that God is wrathful against sin. He understands that God is a judge, and he understands that he is a sinner. And if God were to judge him, that he would most certainly be found guilty. See, he understands that he deserves punishment, the very wrath of God. And the moment that he realizes Jesus is more than a teacher, that he is God, he is terrified. But... He hears the four greatest words he's ever heard. Do not be afraid. You know what he's really saying? What Jesus is really saying? Hey, don't be afraid of me. Mm. See, the greatest thing any sinner has to fear is not hell, it's God. We talk about salvation all the time. You know what you're saved from? Not hell, you're saved from God. See that? God saves you from himself. And so for Jesus to look at Peter and say, and, and do it, and he does this in an amazing and probably very kind way. We probably weren't there, or we weren't there, but I, <laughs> that'd be weird. Uh, man, we weren't there, but I guarantee it, it was full of kindness, and it was full of compassion. And he says, Peter, man, get up. Pull yourself out of that slime. Look at me. Like, don't be afraid. You ever tell your kids that? Your parents ever tell you that? Like, 
Monsters under the bed happening. Something in the closet. It's dark. And, and, and the calming sense, that peace that can, like a parent even can offer when they go, hey, there's nothing to be afraid of. Imagine the Lord of all saying it to you. Do not be afraid of me. You don't have a reason to fear me. See, that's the greatest news that Peter has ever heard. It's the greatest news he's ever gotten. Because God himself in that moment shows him mercy and grace. And he does it in a way that demonstrates that he loves Peter. A world thrown upside down, made right by grace and mercy from God. The second part of what Jesus says, he says this, from now on, you will be catching men. Like, oh, that's quirky, Jesus. You made a fishing pun, right? Let's really break down what might be happening in Peter's heart. And we can't really know this, but I can only imagine what was going through in Peter's mind to cause him to react this way, first of all, and what went through his mind when this happened to him. Because I'm going to put myself in his shoes right now, okay? And I'm going I'm to tell you what I would be feeling at least, being that Peter had gone through the life he had gone through. And let me just kind of break that down for you here. See, the Hebrews had a caste system in their society. And if you don't know what that is, it basically meant that certain people were better than others. And like publicly, they were better than other people. And really what it came down to is that the smartest people kind of ruled the nation. They were, just, they were the spiritual, political rulers of the nation. They were the celebrities. They were the Michael Jordans. They were the movie stars. They were the Kardashians. No, we're not Kardashians. No. Michael Jordan's, yes. Uh, but they, they were everything. They, were, they had the most money. Then, then you had all these other people, like wealthy people, traders, things like that. It worked all the way down, and at the very bottom, you got orphans and widows, because people thought they were cursed. And women, you're just out of luck in the Hebrew system. It's terrible, but it's true. Like You, you are thought of almost sometimes as a possession, and so... It was a very kind of strange orientation around society. And, and I'm just going to go ahead and put this out there. Fishermen in this caste system are pretty dang low on the totem pole. It was not, and hear me, it was not a prestigious career to be a fisherman. Like you've got shepherd and then right above it, fisherman. No one knew who you were. No one knew your name. You did not matter. No one valued you because there's always going to be another moron to take your place. Fishermen were low on the totem pole. So you, you think, man, how did they figure out who, who was where in their society? Well, see, it started when they were a young kid. And, and I'm going to call this kind of the way of the rabbi. All right, It started when they were a young kid. And they'd go to school. We'll call it that. They'd go to school and they'd start learning the Old Testament. And, and there was this whole kind of school system based around the Torah, and that's the first five books of the scriptures, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. It was all kind of based on that when they, they were kind of coming up and eventually got into theology and some other things, but this was every little boy and girl, or boy, sorry girls, you're out on school. Uh, every little boy went to school. And so the, the most high thing that you could ever aspire to be was a rabbi, a teacher, these are the celebrities, like I said, the most spiritual and political leaders. These this is the guy you want to be. So you had to go to rabbi school, and every boy did. And what they would do is 
Time after time, they would wean people out of it. If you weren't smart enough, if you didn't cut it, you're out. By the time of five, they had to have the entire Torah memorized, five or six. Have you ever read numbers? Try to memorize it. As a five-year-old, and there's people that did, they took this school hardcore. So at every grade level, we'll call it that, they're kicking people out, kicking people out, kicking people out, kicking people out. So let me just put it this way. Simon Peter probably got kicked out two weeks in. Fishermen don't have value. Fishermen don't have worth. You can't hack it. You can't cut it. This is what he lived in and lived with constantly. And all he wanted, and we see that because he was devout and looking for the Messiah, all he wanted one day was to be a rabbi. See, the way that this worked is that after they would graduate from school, they would go choose a rabbi. So they'd choose a teacher, okay? And all these rabbis did had kind of different, I'll call it theologies. They called it yokes, actually, but they had different theologies, okay? And so they would go pick the one that they liked. They're like, man, I like how that guy talks. I'm going to follow him around. In fact, one of the greatest like, things that people could say to you, it's like being nice to someone, and uh, it's a goodbye thing to say back in that day, was may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Because when they picked a rabbi, they would literally follow him. All the time, everywhere, they would start to do everything exactly like their rabbi did. They were disciples, followers. They would start to speak like he spoke. They would start to believe like he believed. They would cut their hair like he cut his hair. They would wear the same clothes as him. And this is gross, but they would even do things in the bathroom the exact same way that he would do them. You get what I'm saying? Ew. You know. They literally became a, a spitting image of him, a reflection of this rabbi. May you be covered in his dust. This was the dream. This was the goal. And this was the dream for Peter. And then all of a sudden, this guy comes along. And man, he's, he's a master. He's a rabbi. He's a teacher. And man, he's a good one. They even think that he's the Messiah. So he runs after him and starts following and starts following him and starts following him. See, Peter's greatest desire in his life was to be good enough to follow a rabbi. And he would have given absolutely anything for an opportunity to choose a teacher to follow. But see, that was not his reality. His entire life Every single day was a reminder of his failure. Every time he put that boat in the water, he realized that he never could measure up. Every time he casted his net out, he was constantly aware of all of his shortcomings. See, he looked at his himself completely as unworthy. He was looked at like that by society, and so that's what he had come to believe about himself. Just a fisherman, just a fisherman. A failure, worthless. So when Jesus says, do not be afraid, From now on, you will be catching men. Instantly. He hears those words, and that is a dream come 
true for him. It changes his entire past, present, and future in one little sentence. Because now this rabbi, the greatest rabbi, God himself comes to him and chooses Peter. All Peter dreamed of is choosing a rabbi, and here is Jesus looking at him and saying, Peter, Peter, what you're most ashamed of in your life, where you are the most like, unworthy and not valuable at all, I'm gonna take that and redeem it, and I'm gonna make you a fisher of men. I'm gonna call you to the highest purpose and calling you've ever had. I'm gonna restore what you feel is trash into treasure. In one sentence, Jesus changes Peter's life. With mercy, with grace, with redemption. For the first time ever in his life, Peter feels value and he feels worth. Because he's accepted for who he is. But not just that, Jesus says, all that time you were casting nets was just preparing you for this. You'll catch men. So I'm going to say it again. I'm just a fisherman. And so are you. Outcast, downcast, unworthy, unvaluable, a failure. Shortcomings from here, kingdom come. I'm just a fisherman. But Jesus reached into my story and he said, do not be afraid. I will make you fisher of men. And he's saying the exact same thing to you today. So what's your response going to be? What's your response going to be to the master, to the teacher, to the rabbi who comes to you? When you were walking around aimlessly and in darkness, he came to you. When you were an enemy of his, he came to you and said, I choose you, follow me. I'll take all your failures. I'll take all your shortcomings. I'll finally give you value and worth. I'll take what you're most ashamed of and turn it into something beautiful. I'll give you a purpose and a calling and it's not gonna be easy because you're gonna have to eat my dust but it will be finally something that makes you whole. It will bring you to life. Jesus today is offering that to every single one of us because this great rabbi, his teaching, his yoke, he says that my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And just like Peter finally found rest for the first time in his life, you can find rest today. And you might be saying, hey, I've heard that before, brother. Good job. I like it. Let me, let me tell you something. The same exact gospel that saved you is going to be the one who sets you free today from sin. 
It's going to be the same gospel that continues to transform you. The same words from Jesus. Do not be afraid. I'll make you a fisher of men. Today, even though you might have been justified in front of God because you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, church language, church language, church language, listen to me. You still need him right now. Man, do not be afraid of him. So here's our response to that. To every single one of us, we look and see what the disciples' response is, what, what Peter, how he responds, this is what our response should be. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. <laughs> they didn't even go home first. When that boat touched shore, they started following him. They became disciples. They literally left everything. They didn't say goodbye to their families. They just left. Today, that's your response. And I'm going to be honest, and this is really hardcore, it's your only response. You don't have any other thing that you can do. Because trust me, you're just a fisherman. We're all just fishermen. And you need a good teacher. And you'll never learn how to catch men, ever, unless you have a good teacher. You'll never have purpose and value unless you have a good teacher. See, the response that we have, and this is real talk, this is how, how we do this, and this is today and every day, you might say, well, man, how do I grow deeper? Like, Give me some tips on how I can be better in my relationships. Give me some tips how I can be you know, better at being a husband or a wife. But give me some tips how I can, how I can have a happier life, Nathan. I, that's what I really want. I came here to be fed. Feed me, feed me, feed me. Hey, all I got to serve you is Jesus. That, that, that's all that, that we have. Self-help is not going to get you anywhere. It actually will probably drive you further and further away from God. But Jesus, he is going to be what you need every single day. He is going to be the thing that redefines all your relationships, that guides you in them. He's going to be the thing that guides you in your career. He's going to be the only thing that's going to like, give you a stinking chance to raise your children. He's going to be the only thing that can give you joy and purpose and value and worth. And your response today is just like Peter's, fall down in the slime and say, have mercy on me, O God. That's called repentance. The second one is believe and follow him. That's called faith. Repentance, faith. Every day, your life, repentance, faith, repentance, faith. It's not about becoming better. It's about looking at Jesus. Every day. Here's the other thing, and I'm done. You see that this high calling that he calls Peter to is this mission. Peter, I'm not calling you here to like be comfortable. I'm calling you here to work, to go fishing. And God is calling you to the same wonderful and beautiful and glorious mission to be a fisherman. And now you're not just a fisherman, you're his fisherman. And we get to go out into this world and share good news of grace and mercy. We get to share this. Do not be afraid, I'll make you fishers of men. Do not be afraid because Jesus gives grace and mercy. Do not be afraid because Jesus will give you purpose and value and worth. Today, Jesus is 
our freedom and he's this world's freedom. And we are the only way that God has chosen to make himself known in this earth. And that is a commandment, not a suggestion. Now, I'm not, like, I'm not saying that I'm great at this. I might be good on the water, but man, on that mission field, I might not be it, but I want you to see something today, that he's called you to catch men exactly where you are, right here and right now. We've got people in Uganda today, and they're over there, and they're sharing Jesus like crazy, and you might think, man, good for them. Well, you're called to do it in your neighborhood, and you're called to do it at your workplace. You think that you are just by chance have the job that you have, that you by chance have the house that you have, that you by chance have been given grace and mercy by, and provision that God has given you things and money just to use for your own enjoyment? That's not the only reason, guys. He's put you here with a purpose, to catch men. So let's freaking go fishing. Sorry for using the word freaking. Today, believe on him. Today, believe in the good teacher, in the best fisherman. Today, repent. Today, have faith. Let's pray. Jesus, you are the only good thing. You are the only thing that can lead us, fulfill us. So we need you now just as much as ever. And God, I pray that as we enter a time where we commune with you and with each other, God, as we remember what you had to do to be able to say, do not be afraid, God, remind us today that you were the one who had to stand in God's wrath. Jesus, that you were the one who stood in shame and agony that your body broken and your blood spilled for us still has power today. God, make us a church of fishermen. Send us out into our lives to make much of you, Jesus. It's in your great name we pray. Amen.